Father, we are thankful for the light of your word that shines in the darkness, leads the way for us. Your word, the scripture says, is a lamp for our feet and a light for our paths. We are grateful to know that we are not left by ourselves. We are not left to uh, try and figure out what it is that you want, try and determine what is pleasing to you, but you clearly reveal that to us. So would you do that this morning through your word? May we hear your voice. May we know what it is that you desire of us. May we be found as your faithful servants. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks, folks. You can have a seat. Glad to have this time together with us to open the Word, and I'm uh, I'm going to be careful. Can I just say thank you, thank you for sitting closer this week? You know, I know last week there weren't as many people sitting outside, and so some of you were sitting a little further back. And I've been going to do what these guys are doing right here. There is like ten feet of shade, so you know, if you want to sit within ten feet of me, there's, there's all kinds of open shade here, um, but. I, I want to apologize because some a couple of people told me this morning that I was scaring them last week because I was standing like this with my toes over the edge and people were afraid I was going to fall off, so I'm sorry about that. But you know how you can fix that is by sitting close because I'm always trying to get closer to you guys. So I don't know if anybody, can anybody hear me at all? Because it sounds like, uh, okay, all right, all right, okay, good, good. <laughs> I would, I would just like to say thank you, too, to a couple of ladies who gave our stage a little facelift. Can I say who it is, or will I get smacked? Okay, Crystal and, uh, and Kathy, right. I couldn't remember who else it was. Crystal and Kathy gave our stage a little facelift here this week, and I want to thank them for doing that. It looks good. It looks good. I want to do just a little informal poll before we get started this morning. How many people just love having someone tell them what to do? I mean, you just, it's just your favorite thing. Just tell me what I should do. It kind of goes a little bit against our nature, doesn't it? A little bit against the grain of how we all have this little bit of an independent streak in us that kind of wants to do our own thing. And when someone tells us what we have to do, I've had this conversation uh, before with my wife and with a few other people, I say, you know, if there may be something that I want to do, but if somebody comes and tells me I have to do it, for some reason that, you know, makes me bristle a little bit. I guess that's my own pride and arrogance inside me that I need to, to fight a little bit. But it goes against our human nature to have someone tell us what to do. I mean, if you don't believe that, all you have to do is look at little children. And you try to correct them, you try to guide them, probably about the first word that almost every child learns how to both enunciate and use properly is the word no. I know all you fathers are so impressed when your little kid says, Dada, and you think, oh, he loves me. He knows, well, I think that's just a physiological thing. That's how kids' little mouths work. But what they really understand is no. Ask them to do something, no. And it doesn't often change when they become teenagers. <laughs> they still know how to say no. And you telling them what to do rubs them the wrong way. Well, 
we sometimes really don't outgrow it when we become adult when we become adults either we have a hard time with people telling us what to do so if that's the case if we all just naturally want to do our own thing then why not just let everyone do what they want to do i mean why do we have laws why do we have rules why do we have societal norms that we are all supposed to follow. I mean, if everyone is basically good, then why don't we just let people do what they want to do? Well, we're kind of seeing the results of that thinking in our country right now, aren't we? If you watch the news, if you flip open your laptop, if you click on a news app on your phone, we're seeing what happens when everybody does whatever they want to do. Well, if you're wondering what the segue is, whoop, that's going to be a problem. <laughs> okay. You wanted to see me jump down on that thing? It's going to happen right now. <laughs> okay, Chris has got clothespins. We're going to grab some of those. If you wondered what the segue was to what we're talking about this morning in the book of Judges, then this is it. This is the book of Judges. What we are experiencing right now in our culture, in our world, with everyone doing what they think is right, that is the book of Judges. Judges was written 3,500 years ago, but if you read some of it, you might wonder if it was written last week of some of the wording. This is week seven of the whole story. We're in the seventh book of the Bible. Genesis. Tim showed us that God gave Abraham's family a promise. In Exodus, we saw Abraham's family enslaved in the land of Egypt, and God delivered them. In Leviticus, God revealed his holiness to them and showed the people of Israel how he wanted them to live. In Numbers, we saw what happened when they disobeyed, when they did not have faith, and they wandered in the wilderness. In the book of Deuteronomy, we saw Moses reminding the people again what God expected of them before they went into the promised land. Last week in Joshua, we saw that they finally entered the promised land. God gave them the victory, and they had the blessings that he had in store for them. So we get to Judges, book number 7, and Judges is the story of Israel living happily ever after and enjoying all of the blessings that God had given them, right? Wrong. Why not? They now have what God promised. They are where he said they would be. But the very last verse of the book of Judges, Judges 21-25, says this, In those days there was no king in Israel, Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. That's the summary of the book of Judges. And Judges spends 20, 21 chapters detailing all of these situations where the people of Israel just did what was right in their own eyes, did whatever it was that they wanted to do. This has a direct application to us here in the United States in 2020. Because we might be tempted to think that that would not happen here. That would not happen in a country that was founded by people 
who are looking for the freedom to worship God. Or that it might not happen in a country whose system is law, of law is based on biblical principles. But once again, we would be wrong. We would be wrong because the last 40 years have been a downward spiral from political correctness to moral relativism to the banishment of the truth to the desire for complete anarchy that we see today. It is a short trip from walking in the truth of God's word to everyone doing whatever they want if we are not careful. We need a deliverer. That is the message of the book of Judges. We need a deliverer. And as we look at a few verses over the next few minutes, we're going to see Jesus Christ very clearly in this book. Let's see what Judges says. We'll find some applications to ourselves. And we're going to see some hope. I don't know about you, but I want to hear some hope right now. Because <laughs> when I look out around, I don't see much of it. We're going to see some hope. And then we're going to see a challenge. Judges 2 and 3 are kind of a summary of the whole book. And we're going to see a pattern here. In Judges chapter 2, in verse 11, it says this, The people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. And they went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. They abandoned God. They forgot about him, the writer says here. And if you were here last week, in Joshua 24, they just promised that, of course, what? They wouldn't do that. We would never do that, Joshua. We would never forget about God. We would never turn our backs on him. And yet they abandoned him. I want you to notice here that they didn't distinguish themselves from the culture. You remember four weeks ago in the book of Leviticus, what did God reveal to the people of Israel about himself? He revealed to them that he was holy. And what did he ask of them? He said, I am asking that you would be holy as well. If you remember, we talked about the fact that holy meant pure and holy also meant distinct or separate. God was calling them to be separate from the culture, to be different, to distinguish themselves from the way everyone was living all the way around them, and they did not do that. There was no difference between the Israelites and the ungodly people that were living next door. In verse 13, we see that it was easier to do whatever they wanted than to stay faithful to God. It was easier, and this is the comparison I want you to think about in terms of where we are as a country and where we are as Christ followers today. It was easier for them to say and do what the rest of the world was doing than to stand up for the truth. And I think that we're seeing that. I think that we're seeing that all around us. As we see churches cave on what God's word says. Say, well, that's what he said then, but that's not really what he means now. Well, this doesn't really apply to our situation. Well, that was fine for 3,000 years ago, but that doesn't really work in 2020. What is that, friends? That is 
saying it's easier to follow the culture and do what they're doing than to stand up for the truth. And that's what was happening in Israel. It was easier to worship Baal and Ashtoreth than it was to be faithful in their marriages. I'm not going to go into the details here in this group this morning, but the worship of these two gods, Baal and Ashtoreth, was vile. It was vile and immoral in every way you can imagine. And it was easier to just do that with everybody else than it was to be faithful to their families. Verse 14, So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they would no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which the Lord of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them, they did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. There are consequences. We saw that last week. Joshua said, if you're not going to follow God, there's going to be consequences. And there were. And this is them. In verse 15, it says, they were in terrible distress. And I want you to see the ridiculous cycle that Israel repeated over and over for 350 years. That's the span of the book of Judges. 350 years they did this over and over. God would allow their enemies to defeat them because of their ungodliness. And they would be sorry and they would cry out in their misery and say, God, please save us. And God would have compassion and he would send a judge and the judge would deliver them. And after the judge delivered them, they would say, oh, thank you, God. And they would serve God for a little while. But when the judge died, then they would go right back to their old ways again. It, went, it happened over and over and over. Only every time they did it, it got worse and worse and worse. That's what the verse says. They were more corrupt than their fathers. They went further and further away from God and from the truth. Friends, we've talked before about understanding the truth of God's word. We've talked before about making the choice to do what's right and to steer clear of what is wrong. And I've used the analogy before of a cliff. That we should stay away from the edge of the cliff. Because if we're walking the edge and we make a mistake, guess what happens? We fall over it. But if we step back from it, if we make sure that we are staying far from those practices that displease God, and we make a mistake, which we ultimately do because we always sin, we don't go over the edge. But for Israel, they kept getting closer and closer to the edge. What happens, what is worse than walking the edge? It's going over the edge. And that's what was happening for Israel time and time again. And we look at this book, and if you were going to read all 21 chapters, you would say, 
How many times is Israel going to take advantage of God's compassion? How many times are they going to do this? This is ridiculous. It's so transparent. They're not really sorry. They just don't want to be in trouble. They just don't want to be in bondage. When we look at that, we have to ask ourselves, how many times do we take advantage of God's compassion? How many times do we get ourselves in trouble and cry out, God, help us, and then after he does, pretty soon we're back to the old pattern of living. Verse 20, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he said, because this people has transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left. In order, listen to verse 22, in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. Oh, the covenant. Remember the covenant back in Genesis when Tim got us started in this study in chapter 12 of Genesis and repeated again in chapter 15? God said, if you walk in my ways, I will take care of you. I will bless you. I will make your name great. I'll bless all the families of the earth. I promise I will do that. He renewed the covenant to Isaac and to Jacob. The covenant held strong through jo Joseph into Egypt through Moses and out of Egypt to Joshua. Would they keep the covenant or not? That was the question. How about us? In this wasteland of our culture, will we keep the covenant that we have with God? It's not the same covenant. That was the old covenant with Israel. This is a new covenant through Jesus Christ because of his blood. To be his people, to be his sons and his daughters, to raise our children to love God and to know the truth. Will you take care to walk in the way of the Lord or not? That's the question. We're going to move into chapter 3 in a specific instance of rebellion. I want you to just see this. Chapter 3, verse 7, it says, And the people did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. They forgot the Lord their God and served the Baals and the Ashroth. Now, if that sounds exactly the same as a verse I read in chapter 2, you would be correct. Thank you for paying attention. It is exactly the same. In chapter 2, the judges, the, the author of Judges just gives us the pattern. This is what they did over and over. Now in chapter 3, this is a specific situation. They did exactly that. They forgot God. Now I want you to think for a second about who this is that's forgetting about God. These people that were forgetting about God, their grandparents were the ones that were in Egypt. And they were crying out, God, we can't do this. We're slaves. Please help us. And God brought them out of Egypt, miraculously parted the Red Sea. The water stood up like a wall, and they walked by, and it was just as dry as this burned-up grass that you're sitting on right now. And God led them out of Egypt. That was their grandparents. And then their parents were the ones that God brought into the Promised Land. And they marched around Jericho seven times. We didn't look at the story last week, but it's in, in Joshua. They marched around Jericho seven times, this massive city, and the walls just fell flat, and Israel just walked in and took it. That was their parents. And now they are here, and they are forgetting all about God. 
They have fully participated in the culture and the sin around them. I want you to think about this, folks. The same thing could happen here. You see this? This is encouraging to me. This is why I missed this whole chunk of time that we couldn't meet together. I need to see you. I need to see that you care about what God thinks and says is right. I need to see that you care about teaching your children what is right. But if we are not careful, the same thing can happen in this group. I'm not just talking about some random people out there that we don't know. I'm talking about this group of people right here. The same thing can happen if we are not careful to walk in the ways of the Lord our God. Some of you here are grandparents. Some of you here are parents. It is possible for your children to get up out of here in a few years and walk away and forget all about God. That can happen. It does happen. Just like it did for Israel. God calls us to look different. The church must look different than the world that we are in the middle of. The truth does not change with the sifting sands of opinion. The things that God said 2,000 years ago, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, are just as true today as they were then. If I hear the word revisionist or new normal one more time, something might come unhinged, might come unhooked. Well, this is happening, so we have to completely change what we believe or what we do. God's word never changes. In fact, Isaiah says, I'm looking at this dead grass. Isaiah says, the flower fades, the grass withers, but the word of God stands forever. It never changes. What he asks of us never changes. We are called to be strangers and aliens in this world. In chapter 2 and verse 10 of Judges, it says, A generation arose which did not know God. A generation arose not that just chose to forget God, that did not even know God. It's our task to make sure the generation coming behind us knows who God is. Do not raise your children to say, well, when they get old enough, they'll need to make their own decision. You tell them who God is. You show them who God is. That's our responsibility. In chapter 3 and verse 2 of Judges, it says this, God allowed some of these things to happen. It says, so that the generations of the people of Israel might know war and might teach war to those who had not known it before. Now, I got a couple of questions about uh, last week when I was talking about dueling and the manliness of dueling. I did give a disclaimer. I wasn't saying we should go back to duels. Let me give a disclaimer here. I'm not saying that we should rise up physically en masse and start a war in our country. That's not what I'm saying. But God's word says that God allowed some of these things to happen in the time of 
the reality was some of his people did not know war. They didn't know. You know why? Because it was peaceful. Things were okay. No one was threatening their way of life. They had won the victory. They had taken the promised land. It was theirs. They were the dominant force in their culture, and so there was no war. In our country, for a long time, we have had tremendous freedom. Tremendous freedom to to worship God, to share the truth with people who need it, to be a light, to be strangers and aliens and not have repercussions. I don't know what's going to happen in the next 40 years. I'm not proclaiming gloom and doom here, but it's possible that it might not be so easy in the future. It's possible that it may take a little bit more determination to stand for what is right than it has in the last little while. We need to have to we need to learn to stand up for the truth of scripture no matter what is happening around us. We need to be careful. We need to not be overtaken by the tidal wave that swirls around us. In chapter 3, verse 8, it says, Therefore the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Chushan, Rishath. This is in this passage like eight times, and I have to say it eight times. Chushan, Rishathayim, the king of Mesopotamia. And the people of Israel served Chushan, Rishathayim, eight years. But when the people of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for the people of Israel, who saved them, Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. The spirit of the Lord was upon him, and he judged Israel. And when and he went out to war, and the Lord gave him Chushan Rishathaim, the king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed over Chushan Rishathaim. Did the Lord love Israel, even though they had chosen to do what was wrong? Did he love them? Yes, he did. Does God still love his people today? Yes, he does. But are there consequences for disobeying him? Yes, there are. For choosing to walk in the world, walk with the world, and doing our own thing. But in verse 9, the first word of verse 9 says, But, but, this hinge, everything turns here. Why does everything turn at this moment in this passage? Only one reason. Because of the grace of God. Because of the mercy and patience of God. It says, they cried out. It's very interesting. If you look at this word, cried out, do you know what it means? It means they came together and called out together. It wasn't just one person saying, oh God, please forgive us. No, they came together and cried out together to God and asked him to save them. And the Lord raised up a deliverer. His name was Othniel. Now, I want you to notice that they could not raise up the deliverer. I want you to notice that they could not save themselves. The deliverer saved them. And I want you to hear, see Jesus, who is our deliverer. He is our deliverer. He is the one that God raised up. 
In verse number 10, it says that, that God raised up the deliverer, Othniel, and he gave him the victory. Othniel went out to war, and God gave him the victory. Just as Jesus Christ has gone to war for us, and the Father gave him the victory over sin and death and hell. And the last verse of the passage says, there was rest in the land. There was rest. Literally, the word means peace, calm. My friends, we need a deliverer. You need a deliverer. You need someone who will go to war for you. Someone who will fight Someone who will you. And this is the hope that we have for those of us who walk with Jesus Christ. This is the hope that our world has. Because God the Father sent his son, Jesus Christ, to us, for us, to the cross, to die for our sin. If you look at the word deliverer, there's a whole bunch of different ways that word can be used. It's very interesting. The word deliverer means he is a rescuer. Israel needed to be rescued. And Othniel went in and he rescued them. Jesus Christ rescues us from the power of sin. The word means saver. Not savior, but saver. He is a saver. He saves us from the calamity that surrounds us. It's interesting to note that the word also means avenger. <laughs> Jesus Christ is an avenger for us. He goes to war for us. And it also means that he is the victor. He is the one who wins. Jesus Christ, our deliverer, is the one we need. 1 John 4.14 says, The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. How else am I going to stand for truth in this vile culture? How are we going to do it? We can't do it. We need Him every day. You need Him every day. You need Him today. You need His saving grace and mercy to deliver you from Satan's power and the penalty of your sin, but you need His daily grace and mercy every day as well to deliver you from temptation and to give you the strength to stand. When you walk through pain, our deliverer can give comfort. When you walk through fear, our deliverer can give peace. When you walk through war, our deliverer can give strength. Jesus is faithful. If you read the book of Judges, you will find that Israel was unfaithful over and over and over again. But God was completely faithful every time he was faithful. And nothing has changed, my friends. God will be faithful. Jesus is the rock that we can stand on.